The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Father in heaven, I thank you so much, Lord, for your love for us, which is absolutely amazing. It's life-changing and transforms us from day to day. Lord, I've done my best this week to prepare what you have given me and what you have shown us that you want us to become and what you want us to do. So I pray, Lord, that hearts would be open and that, Holy Spirit, you would be speaking to people individually today of how they can play a part in this vision how they personally have an opportunity to invest in this vision. And Lord, may this church always be and forever be yours and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when you see and you read this new vision, your first response is going to be like, duh, you say that all the time. That's nothing new. That's, why, why is that the vision? That's, I think a lot of people's response is going to be that. So I just want to kind of briefly tell you how we came to this point so that it would make sense. You have all the pieces of the puzzle. We um, had a church consultation last year, and one of the things that was identified in that is that we need a new vision. And so we started on this process of seeking God of uh, what the new vision is going to be. And so then I took the staff and we went over to Leavenworth for a weekend and we prayed together and studied and worked on this and worked on it actually for months and, and then came together and worked. And then we came back and we had some things, but it really wasn't coming together yet. And so then the Lord just dropped in my heart to, to gather together uh, uh, ten people who are completely and fully vested in this church, and then take them away and do the same exact process. So that's what I did. Contacted these people, took them to Leavenworth. Uh, they went through the same process the staff did, and then it was there that it finally came together. We had about 200, 150, something like that, different things that we had come up with that are Canyon Ridge Church. And we had them plastered all over the walls around the, this, this uh, huge um, cabin ranch place. And, and it was really overwhelming because you sit there and you look at all those things and you go, how in the world are we going to condense this down into something that people can get and understand? Because every single component that we had written was true. It was, that's who we are. That's what we do. We do all those things. But that can't be your vision because nobody could figure that out. You know, it would take forever. And so it's got to come down to one thing. And then it did. It did. On the final day, the final hour, if you will, uh, in the, late into the evening, everybody was exhausted and we were going through this process and high level of frustration. And then it was just like, boom, it came together. And then this bat that was up in the rafters, came out and flew above everybody and then flew out of the room. And it was like, wow. 
the vision is so amazing it scared the bat out of hell. I don't know why the bat was there. He was spying on us or something, but it just was amazing. It was amazing. And then as we came, we came back with that and then met with the staff again, that whole group and the staff, and then they talked about it some more, and then we took it back to the, just the staff and said, yes, this is months and months and months of prayer and seeking. Yes, this is what God is saying to us. And so I'm hoping that when you hear it, you will also have that same reaction. So, here it is. This is what we came up with. CRC, a church where everyone is welcome to explore faith and grow at their own pace. See what I mean by when I said, duh? You've heard that before, right? You've seen that before. You've heard it before. So let's take it piece by piece and break it down so that you can see the full weight of it. First of all, it says we are a church. That is really important because it says what we are and it says what we're not. For example, we are not a business. We are not a company. We are not a family. We are a church. That is unique. That is unlike anything else in the universe. It is not a country club. It is not a a place where you get and hang with your friends to, to get and be with your friends and know your friends. Now, some of that can happen, but that's not what it is. It comes from a Greek word that's, that's, the word is ekklesia. And that word is defined specifically as an assembly or called out ones. So essentially what a church is biblically, from the Bible's definition, the church is uh, literally the people of God. It's the people of God. So the church is not the building. We don't exist for our building. In fact, we don't love this building. Don't love this building. This is nothing. In fact, this just serves the mission. That's all it is. So don't put any special feelings on this building at all. If it all burned down tomorrow, it would be for God's glory. Okay? Literally. Okay? We are not... This is not John's church. Don't ever say that. Where do you go to church? Oh, John's church. Don't ever say that. This is not John's church. The Bible says that the church belongs to Jesus. And the church should always belong to Jesus, and he should always be the head. So myself and all the staff members were equally serving underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ and leading our church. So if you are the people of God, you are the church. Literally, you are the church. If you are all by yourself, you're not the church. Because the word is plural. You're not the church, you're a Christian. If you're a follower of Christ and you're marooned on an island somewhere by yourself, you're a Christian there, but you're not the church. The church is us. It's more than one. When we gather together, we are the church. When you gather together in your community group with other Christians from CRC, that community group is a small little example of the church. It's Christians. It's gathering together as Christians. Now, 
it's, it's not just gathering together. There's a little bit more to it than that. The church has a purpose. We gather together for a specific reason, and that is found in Matthew chapter 28. And I thought about this this week. There's really no reason to bring a Bible to church. I, I, always, I grew up that way. You always brought a Bible because we had overheads, the overhead projector. And so, you know, it would take too long to write out the Bible verse on the projector, so you had to bring your own Bible. Well, now... You don't have to bring a Bible. We show you everything on the screens. And you have a phone, right? So you can get on your phone. Anyway, the thoughts of men. <laughs> Matthew 28, and starting in verse 19. Understand this, this passage. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. This is his final meeting with the disciples. This is where he says, okay, guys, I'm leaving. I'm taking off. I've got to go to heaven. This is what you need to do while I'm gone. Do this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly why we say that when we baptize people. Last Sunday, we baptized people, and we said that as we baptized them, because Jesus said so. He goes on, he says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so, very specifically, the church gathers together for one reason, and that is to make disciples. That's what we're about. If you ever find yourself in a church that isn't making disciples, it's not doing what God wanted it to do. It's in disobedience, or it's dysfunctional, or diseased, or dying. There's something wrong. Because making disciples is what Jesus said the church should be doing. That's what it's about. That's what it's supposed to be doing. And he even says specifically how the church is supposed to do that. By baptizing people and teaching them. Teaching them everything Jesus taught his disciples. And even more than teaching. Because teaching is teaching, right? But it goes on a whole other level if it's teaching to obey. Because now that means there's accountability in that. See, teaching, I guess you can say, is just giving information and you learning it. That's not what this text is saying. He's saying, teaching them how to obey, that talks about transformation. That teaching to transform, there's change in that. So that means that we come every Sunday, we hear teaching from the Word. Why? So that we can change, so we can transform, so that we can grow. It's very, very critical. I love the word go here. I love that because I think without that word, the church would become dysfunctional and ingrown. You know, we get to a certain level, we'd be happy with that, and we just stay that way. But Jesus said, no, you cannot hide within the confines of this building. You must go out there. Go out there and get them. We have to go get them. We have to invite others to come and meet Jesus. So when you're at work, when you're at school, wherever you're at in your life, you're out there, you are a light for Jesus Christ, and you invite people to say, hey, I know an amazing place where you can go and just be yourself and you, can, you have all your sins forgiven, would you come with me? I would love to show you what an amazing place this is. We have to go. And we teach 
all that Jesus commanded and taught. Now, the first part of our church, of our vision, actually says a whole lot. This part, that we are a church, that says a whole lot. It's more than you realize, probably. The second part of it is that everyone is welcome. CRC, a church where everyone is welcome. Now, there are two kinds of people that aren't welcome. So everyone's welcome, but not everybody. Everyone's welcome, but not everybody. We exclude two kinds of people. You ready for that? The first kind of person that cannot be a part of Canyon Ridge Church is anyone who intends to do harm. Because we're going to come here and do harm... The Bible talks about you. It says you're a wolf. And God commissions me. One of my responsibilities that I'm given is I'm supposed to watch out for them. And I'm supposed to make sure that those are not able to be here to root them out. And so that's one of my jobs. And so, incidentally, because the Lord gives me that job, he also gives me the ability to do it. And so I can see the wolves. I see you. I'm coming for you. And the second person is a person by his or her actions preventing other people from exploring faith. So if you're going to act in such a way that you prevent other people from their freedom to explore faith, you got to go. And so if that's you, then you'll know that eventually you and I will meet up and I will say this to you. I will say with a great smile and all the love that I have, I'll say... There are some great churches in our community, and you should find one. Because this one isn't it. Other than that, everybody's welcome. So I had to give that bad news. Just so you know, just make everybody know. So why is that? Why? Why? Why is everybody welcome? I mean, why not make it just white people? Why not just make it rich people? Why not just make it talented people? Why everyone? Why does it have to be everyone? There are some people we don't like. We don't want to be with. Why everyone? Well, it just so happens that at the very core of Jesus' message to the disciples, we call that the gospel. What Jesus was about was the gospel. And right in the center of that is this concept of everyone. And, and so it happens. It's actually incredibly unique to Christianity. You don't find this in any other religion. You will be shocked that if you try and go and you walk up to a Buddhist temple and you say, I want to go in and worship, you'll be shocked at what kind of response you get. Okay? It's everyone welcome is only found in Christianity, and it really affects everything we do. You'll see this. Romans 10, 9, and 11, Paul said this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, here it is, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Really? Anyone? Really? Even Uncle Eddie? <laughs> Hebrews eleven six says this, It is impossible to please God without faith. Yes, we know that's true. We've looked at that a number of times. We've studied that. And it says right after that, 
Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Anyone can seek God. Anyone. And so this phrase, this, this word, anyone, in our vision statement is actually the power of the gospel. It's what it's all about. That God has power to transform anyone. Anyone. Bad people, yes. Ugly people, yes. Mean people, yes. Immoral people, yes. Drunks, yes. Addicts, yes. Hypocrites, yes. Liars, yes. Wow. Anyone. Wow. I've been in some church where I wonder, churches where I wondered if they believed that or not. Because I didn't feel like I belonged. I felt weird. Well, I won't tell that story. It just takes too long. <laughs> this is why we so strongly believe and we hold on to this value of not judging one another. That we aren't in the judging game here of, of, of weighing everybody's Christianity and seeing who's really knowing God and who's spiritual, what you got and what you have. We don't get into that. We don't play those kind of church games. We don't like that. We hate that. Because that goes against the gospel. Everybody here is in transition, right? Raise your hand if you've arrived. And so if you give up on somebody because they didn't fit your spiritual mold, well, what happens if two or three years later, God is still at work on them, still working on them, and then they come to full faith, you rejected them too early. Do you know when you fully reject people? When they load the dirt on them. It's over. That's it. Okay? There's no, 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 no more, nothing more to say. As long as they're breathing, there is hope. There is hope. You know, if you can hear the stories of people last Sunday, you heard three different stories of people in our church, and each one of them started in this journey with God, and it took many, many, many years. And so if at any point you had given up on them, you would have done it too soon. So it makes no sense to walk around here evaluating everyone in their spirituality. Don't do it. You're going to make a mistake. Everyone, anyone, you say, well, what about leaders and pastors? Okay, yeah, it's true that leaders have different qualifications. They come right out of the Bible. The Bible says, if you want to be a leader, you got to follow these things. So unless you're a leader, then you're under the category of Christian or non-Christian. Christians are here exploring faith. Non-Christians are here checking it out. That's it. There's no other standard. And that brings us to the next part of the vision, which says to explore faith and grow. We don't believe at our church that Sundays are just for Christians. And that's why we do a lot of stuff that Christians will say, oh, come on, you do that every week. You keep saying that. You know, I introduce myself every week because there are people here every week who have never met me. 
right? And so they come in, they don't know who I am, and they're like, what's he doing up there? You know, right? And so we have to explain a lot of things because we're expecting non-Christians to be with us every week. We want them here. So we try and accommodate that, trying to make it so it's not just for Christians. It's an opportunity to explore faith. So if you are a Christian, you can explore your faith, go deeper in God. If you're not a Christian, you can check it out and figure out what it's all about. But it's an opportunity to explore. Where else do you get that? Well, I thought about this week. You can surf the internet, but you know what? You are going to come away with the most crazy, bizarre, weird, off stuff. Because the internet has everything. So who knows what is right there? This is a place where you know you're going to get Bible teaching every single week. We use the Bible. That's what we refer to in everything. It's our standard. And you want to know what we're about? It's in the Bible. We, we are what's in the Bible. And so people are exploring faith. They're followers of Jesus. They're growing in their faith. They're becoming like Jesus. That starts on Sunday, and then it continues on in a community group. In fact, you know where most of the growth happens is in a group, not in Sunday. Sunday has a lot less growing factor to it than groups do. So if you're really serious about your faith, get into a group. Because there you'll have an opportunity to take your faith and get it out there and see what other people's faith is like and learn from them. And grow from them. Every single person here is at a different place. And my group, which is full by the way, so don't sign up for it. But my group um, has every age group. And people are growing in their faith. And they're all at different levels. It's, It's wonderful. It's beautiful. In that environment of a community group, you have accountability. You have commitment. Have you noticed that commitment has left our culture? Have you noticed that as well? That people don't want to make commitments anymore. People lost faith in government, schools, the church, institutions. People have lost faith in marriage. I think marriage is a disaster. And so... uh, and so they gave practical reasons. They say, well, well, we can't afford to live separately, so we'll live together. Because we can't make a commitment. And so they live together, and they end up living in such a way that is not pleasing to God, as it says in his word, is what he, how he wants us to live, because we're afraid of a commitment. You know, I realize that, that God has commanded me to love you But I realize that not all of you love me. Now, isn't that unfair? Right there. That I have to love you, but you don't have to love me. Well, that's actually not true. The Bible says you have to love me. (laughs) It does. I love you. You love me. The issue is commitment, you see. How would you feel if you said to your sweetheart, Oh, man, I am just so happy that you love me. Oh, it's so great that you love me. Thank you for loving me. But you know, I'm not feeling it for you. (laughs) Some some people are going to be okay with that for what? A day? 
right? That doesn't work. That doesn't work in any of your relationships. Well, then why are you doing it to me? Well, things may go bad. Something may happen. I mean, you might offend me. I might find a better church. Well, guess what? Grow up. That's life. It's not a matter of if I will offend you. It's a matter of when. Because for the very nature of what my job is, I'm up here to communicate and teach you all that Jesus taught. And a lot of people were offended by Jesus. A lot of people. He offended a lot of people. They hated him for it. In fact, he said, since they have hated me, guess what? They're going to hate you. So I know that. I know that over the years. But if there was a greater level of commitment, you making a commitment to me to love me, me making a commitment to love you, just think of the unity that we would have and the power that we would have as a church being unified by that is very, very powerful. People say, well, why do you get hurt at church? That's the one place you shouldn't be hurt. Well, I'll tell you why. The, the main reason why you get hurt as church is because you're here. You're here. You're a human being. Oh, let me put it another way. Do you know who the one person in the world is that I absolutely love and cherish and adore with all of my heart other than, than my Savior? Who would that be? My joy. Let me ask you another question. Do you know who has hurt me and offended me and stabbed me and betrayed me more deeper than anyone else? My joy. Well, how is that? It's the same as true of me, too, by the way. Okay? I'm the number one scum in her life. But, but why? Because it's life! Okay? We're still in process. I'm still sinful. I'm learning. I'm growing. I know I'm wicked. Okay? So I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to do what's wrong. I'm going to hurt you. But I love you, and so I'm going to go to you and say, will you forgive me? You see, when you don't love your pastor, the minute he hurts you, you take off. You're just gone. Done with it. Leave. But if you would just stay, if you would just commit, even though you're hurt you will get to experience one of the most beautiful things in life. It's called forgiveness. You get to experience the power of God at work in your life because you get to either forgive somebody or receive their forgiveness. That's the joy of marriage, is giving and receiving mercy and grace. You don't have that if you don't make a commitment. I think people that bounce around from church to church constantly, always looking for the perfect pastor, they never find it for one. And two, they develop spiritual diseases that stunt their growth and make them dysfunctional. So get planted. Make a commitment. Be a part of relationships. And see what happens. I think it'll be dynamic and wonderful and amazing. Everything I've said so far is totally normal, and you can say it's true of every church, right? Okay, all churches are that. All that stuff you said, that's all churchy stuff. Every church has that. I get it. Doesn't any church, isn't any church supposed to be about making disciples? Yes. 
All churches supposed to teach Jesus stuff? Yes. All churches should be welcoming? Yes. All churches are supposed to be where people can explore faith? Yes. What makes Canyon Ridge unique and unlike any other church is this phrase, at your own pace. That you don't hear everywhere. In fact, I have never heard it anywhere other than here. What does it mean? At their own pace. What does that mean? Well, it means that we place a very high value on diversity. That God has all kinds of people. All different colors, all different shapes and sizes, all different abilities and skills, looking different ways. And God loves all of that. And so we love all of that. It's the fact that you don't have to be like me. I'm not looking to you to be like me. I don't want you to be like me. Don't be like me. Be like Jesus. I don't expect you to be like me. I am not putting that on you. You are at your own pace. This is your walk. This is your life. This is your faith. You're on this journey. And yours is unique to you and God. So you don't have to be like me. You don't have to measure up to some kind of standard that somebody has. There is only one standard, and it's Jesus. And guess what? Where do we all fall when it comes to Jesus? Short. Let's compare it to the Grand Canyon, okay, just for a second. All right? The Grand Canyon is salvation, right? We all line up along the edge of Grand Canyon, all right? We're going to jump. It's like seven miles. So we all jump, and uh, Trevor happens to go 10 feet farther than me. (laughs) Wow! Look how far he went. As we both crash our skulls on the bottom. (laughs) Who gives a rip how spiritual you are? We don't care. We just don't care. Don't come in here with that kind of an attitude. It is your own journey. Well, you might say, well, that's no big deal. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Think about it. You can explore faith and grow at your own pace, and so you never have to feel like you're dumb because you don't get it. In fact, most people don't get it when they first start out. Most people don't get marriage when they first get married, do they? No, you learn a lot that first five minutes. (laughs) Nobody understands it all. Nobody gets it all. Nobody here has memorized the Bible. And it's okay. It's okay for you to be you. It means that nobody has to feel like they don't deserve God's goodness. Everybody gets to sit at the table The truth is, nobody deserves God's goodness. (laughs) So this this phrase, at your own pace, you know what it says really loud and clear? It says, don't judge yourself. 
and don't judge other people. And you say, well, aren't we supposed to like feel bad about what we do? And my response to that is, um, well, do you? Yes. Okay, then. Do you need me to tell you? I go, I'll do it if you want me to. So, you think you're a wretch? I'll say to you, okay, you're right, you're a wretch. Do you feel better? You don't need that. You don't need that. No one condemns you more than you. Jesus said some pretty rotten words to a single group of people, the leaders and pastors of his day. Everybody else, and I, don't, I mean everybody, everybody else, he walked up to them and said, I love you. And he's saying that to you. God wants to get with you. He wants to love you. He knows what your sins are. He saw them a long time ago. This phrase says that it's okay for you to grow at your own pace. You know, if you don't believe me in this whole judging thing, look at 1 Corinthians 4 sometime. Paul makes a very good case for us not judging ourselves or anyone else, but letting Christ do all the judging. So if you don't believe me, just check it out there. I don't have time to go into it, but... It means that you'll never be frustrated with your process of faith. You get frustrated. Man, I'm not growing. This is not happening. This is not... Well, that's where you're at. That's where you're at. So if you want to do something about it, you can, or you can stay there. God has all of us walking with him at different levels. But he wants you to grow. And that's why it says we, we explore faith and grow because the transformation process, we believe in that. We believe it's always happening. We're growing. Here's another part that this phrase means to me, and I'm so proud of this. It's very important to me that we maintain this sense of patience. Being patient with people as they figure it out, as they grow. You know what makes a great parent? A patient parent. You know, your little five-year-old who's throwing a massive royal tantrum and Fred Meyer and humiliating you in front of everyone. Why? Because he just quite hasn't figured out how to be an adult yet. So why don't you beat him? That'll work. Come on, people. You know, it's that mother that gets down on her knees and grabs that little one and says, oh, baby, I love you so much. Let's go. We'll, go. we'll go home. We'll have some teaching time. We'll learn how to, how to go to the grocery store. They got to learn it from you. And if you show them patience, they will learn. They will grow. And what's greater, they will love you. But if you show them no patience, you're harsh, you're cruel, you're mean, they'll hate you. And there's a lot of people in our community that hate God because churches have been mean and cruel and harsh and not inclusive and judgmental. So being able to grow at your own pace says we are patient with you. I think it also empowers us as people. 
Because now it gives us, this vision statement gives us the ability to say to people, I know a place where you can grow and you can be yourself. I know a place where you can go and study spiritual things and nobody will be breathing down your neck. I know a place where you can go and be totally forgiven and totally loved and meet Jesus. I know a place where that is. It's at Canyon Ridge. I know a great place where you can explore faith at your own pace. There's very little risk. You're okay. You can wear anything you want. Well, you know what I mean, right? You might say, well, yeah, okay, that's what Canyon Ridge is like that. Yeah. Why is that a new vision? It's already like that. Well, yes and no. If you remember, not too long ago, I was verbally accosted and rebuked for what I was wearing. It was not too long ago that people left our church because our band members were wearing hats. So, yeah, we're learning. We're growing. We're not quite there yet, but that's where we're going. And both of all of those cases, I just smiled and I just said, you know, there's some really great churches around here and you should go find it. I heard this this last week and it really inspired me. If you want great things from Jesus, you must attempt great things for Jesus. Don't you love that? We all need to pray We all need to serve. We all need to give sacrificially. It takes thousands of dollars to run a church. We're we're in the process of building a church app and a new website, and it takes money. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from us because we believe in this vision. We say, I'm going to give sacrificial. I'm going to give my entire tax refund to this because it is changing lives. And I believe that As we follow this vision, as we keep this set on our course and we keep following this, a couple of things are going to happen. One, God is going to be pleased and you are going to be blessed to be a part of it. I believe it'll be the greatest blessing in your life to be a part of what God is doing at Canyon Ridge Church. You'll sit back one day and you'll say, wow, I don't need a thing. I am so blessed. Don't make a commitment today to me, although I asked you to earlier, didn't I? (laughs) Commit to love me. But if you're going to make a commitment today, I want you to make a commitment to the vision, to the vision. Be committed to that. Because if I'm hit by a car tomorrow, God forbid, the vision will go on. But I may not. So commit your heart to that. So that's the kind of Christian I want to be. Those are the kind of people that I want to be around. But you know what the greatest commitment anyone can make? Is a commitment to Jesus. That is the highest and most glorious commitment you can ever make. And if you haven't made that yet, I would encourage you to do that today. 
is so simple. You just reach out to him and say, Jesus, I want you. And then it begins. You know, nobody can pray that prayer unless God is already working on them. See, he's already drawing you. He's already at work in your life. Talking to you, speaking, encouraging you. If you look back on your life, you can think, wow, I could have been killed here and here and here. But God's kept me alive because he wants me to know him. You can know him today. Simple prayer will do it. I hope that you will consider giving your life to Jesus today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for bringing all of this together, Lord, into a spear that we can hit the gates of hell with, that we can open up our community and we could be a place where people can know you, God, and walk with you hand in hand on the specific and unique journey you have for them. I pray, Lord, that you would draw those who are here today who are unsure of their faith. They're not even sure if you're real. Lord, I pray you would give them the faith today to say, I want you, Jesus. And then to pursue that with all their heart. Because you said, Lord, you promised, you said that that you're standing at the door of our heart and you're knocking and you're saying, if anyone will open the door and let me in, that you will come in and be with them. And I pray, God, that that would be the case today. And it would happen by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen.